Glory to God. Well, a couple of weeks ago we had about four. Would you open up with me to, to Luke and the 14th chapter? It was Pentecost Sunday and as the congregation filled into the church, the ushers handed everyone bright red carnations. They were symbolizing the festivities of the day. And the people listened attentively to the reading of the Pentecost story from the book of Acts about how the disciples had heard what sounded like powerful wind from heaven and how the Holy Spirit had appeared like tongues of fire. And then came the sermon. And the preacher got up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And a lady from the front stood up and shouted like a powerful wind from heaven and she threw a carnation onto the stage. Well, the preacher began again. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And she said, Like tongues of flaming fire. And she threw another carnation onto the stage. And so the preacher looked at her directly. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Throw your purse on the stage. (laughs) And she said, Preacher, you have just calmed the wind and put out the fire. Isn't it true that we all have our limits about how far we'll go? (laughs) In Luke chapter 14, we're going to be looking at some things in dealing with some of the limits that we have. We've been on this series for a while on faithful and true. And even though we've been on the main topic of faithfulness, you all know we have hit a, a whole lot of topics outside of that. All looking from the eyes of faithfulness. Last week we were on patience and looking at some things on patience from Jeremiah 42 and 43. Before that, we were looking at satisfied. How some people just are not satisfied with the things that they have. They're just not happy. No matter what it is they've got, they, they want more. They want something different. Before that, we talked about Thanksgiving, how we need to maintain a, a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. We went over even the purpose of the church, the purpose of this church, purpose of gifts and believers, that we are here. It's a revelation of unknown and renewal of known truths for the resisting of false pursuits. I hope that's why you come to church, to learn more. But you want to also be a place that that you are teaching others, helping others, encouraging others. The revelation of unknown and renewal of known truths for the resisting of false pursuits. There are some weeks, all we do is renew what you already know. For others, you've gotten revelation on new things. Other times we're, we're giving more of your revelation on new things as well as renewing old. But for the purpose of resisting false pursuits. Because the enemy is out there trying to get us to pursue false things. And here's a question we have for today. Is it always wrong to be self-concerned or concerned with self? Is it always wrong to be self-concerned? We're going to look at this topic here today. We look at this thing of selfishness. It's tough to be faithful and selfish, isn't it? Isn't that kind of a hard combination to have? But is it wrong to be self-concerned? Some people have gotten this spiritual idea that they can have no concern for yourself at all. And on Wednesday night, we were talking about tongues and prophecy and how that's in there to build us up and encourage us and and work on how tongues is is there for prayer and tongues is also there as a gift for the church. I mean, one over things of that on Wednesday. But is it not true that you are the most motivated and mindful of the things that, that pertain to you? Isn't that right? 
Uh, it, and that's hard to get out of that, isn't it? But you are the most mindful. I mean, if you have a situation that goes on and you need to pray about it, who is going to do the best prayer? Who's going to pray the most intensely? Who's going to have that on their mind the most? You are. Now, you make sure you don't get it on your mind the most so that you worry about it. And you fall into that. But there's nothing wrong with being self-concerned as long as you don't get put into the area of being selfish. You have to have some concern about yourself. Otherwise, you're no good to anyone else. You need to build up yourself and edify yourself so that you have something to put in other people. But that must always be our goal is to put in other people and help other folks and do things there. But sometimes you've got to just help out yourself in order to do that. Well, over in Luke chapter 14, we're going to look at this story. Jesus is teaching on this topic here of selfishness. And in Luke chapter 14, it says, Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and he let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out of this, on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. So here it is that they go into, he goes into his house. He has an invitation for dinner. They invited the preacher over. So he comes on over to, to eat and they, they're watching him. Now here's what we don't quite know about the story. Are they watching him because they also invited somebody with dropsy? Or is it just that he happens to be there and they're watching him because of that? And I can't tell you which way it is, but they see the man with dropsy, they know it's the Sabbath, and they invited him over. And they're watching him. So they have some motivation on this, don't they? They have some reasons for this. They're thinking, well, we're going to see what Jesus does. They invited him over. Now, here's a selfish view. Let's pull Jesus out of this. Just put another preacher in there. Some other preacher comes in and people had invited him over for dinner. Here's the selfish way of looking at it. The people who invited the preacher over for dinner, they're saying, I'm providing dinner. I am going out of my way and I am providing dinner. And here's the selfish preacher. I'm giving my time to come over to their house to eat their dinner. I mean, and that's, you can both, you can go out there selfishly from both, both ways. Now, a selfless view would be different. If both parties are having a selfless view, the, the first one doing, providing dinner, he's giving of his time. He's giving of his time to come over here and spend time with us and minister to us, talk to us, fellowship with us, whatever it might be. And the preacher would be saying, well, they are, they are sowing what they can. I'm going to give them whatever I can do, but they're sowing what they can. You can have a selfish view or a selfless view in just about anything that you do. If you have a selfish view, it's going to hold you back and it's going to keep you from receiving. If you have a selfless view, you'll be able to receive in any situation you are in. The hang up for most people receiving is selfishness. They are concerned about themselves. Now think about this. Here are these people. They've invited Jesus over to their home. It's on the Sabbath, so probably they had church first. And after church, they said, Jesus, we want you to come on over. We have something prepared for you. Jesus says, okay, I'll come on over. And he comes on over. You have Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, 
coming over to your house. Even if you don't know all that about him, you know that you have a man coming to your house who has healed thousands of people. Who has taught truths and principles that you've never heard anybody teach before. Who has turned water into wine. Who has walked on water. Who has done things that no one else has seen. And he's coming to your house for dinner. And your viewpoint of this is, I wonder if he's going to heal the guy with dropsy. We can get him if it does. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that ridiculous? You have lost out on a blessing there because you've got this selfish view. He's been making us look bad. We're going to make him look bad. We're going to put him in a situation that's not going to be so good for him. Selfishness will hold us back. We've got to get rid of that. I put this in your outline too. Selfishness is not thankful. When you fall into a selfish mentality, you have lost that attitude of thankfulness. I'm not thankful for the things people are doing for me, for the things people have given to me, for the things that are around me. I'm, I've lost thankfulness. I'm going to a complaining mode. I don't like this and I don't like that and don't like this over here and this thing over here. Now here's something really important and you got to get this truth down because I'll tell you what, this will help you with all kinds of people. Selfish motivations know better than to be exposed publicly. And you'll see this in just about everybody that you've dealt with. Selfish motivations know better than to be exposed publicly. The people who hold to them still hold on to them, but they know better than to expose them publicly because they know they're selfish. And exist concealed by a more noble cause. Selfish people are all around you and they have taken their selfish ambitions, put a more noble cloak on them and presented them as that. And here's what we have in this situation. I would, if I'm going to think one way or the other, I'm thinking that these guys probably invited the guy with dropsy just like they invited the guy with uh, Jesus to be there just to see what would happen. That's my thought. I can make it to heaven and find out something else. But anyway, that's my thought. I think they invited them both. It's their house. They, you know, whoever, who's ever coming over is who they say. And so they did this just to, just to see. And they know that their motivation is selfish. They're trying to expose Jesus. They're trying to make themselves look good. And they know they cannot present that. So Jesus just says to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? In other words, stand up and say what you believe. And they're afraid to. Because selfish motivations know they can't be exposed. We have to conceal them. There are selfish people all around you that have the sole purpose of stirring up strife and division. And it's selfish reasons that they do it, but they know they cannot expose those selfish reasons. So they cloak them in other things. Prayer requests. Spiritual concerns. I've picked this up in the Spirit. I've been studying the Word of God and I've been seeing this. All these kind of things. And every time that they do this, they'll take their selfish motivations and they put a nice looking wrapper on it. And it looks so good. I mean, it looks... I mean, anything at Christmas can be made to look good, can't it? You put some nice wrapping paper on it and a bow and hey, this, is, this looks great. Give it to me. You don't know what's inside? Could be junk. 
You don't know what's inside, but it looks good. It looks good. And we sometimes have taken other people's problems, other people's viewpoints, other people's selfishness, unthankfulness, and we've embraced it ourselves because it was cloaked in another way. This is what they're doing. They're trying to pass this off on Jesus. They want Jesus to either not heal the man and make the, have this guy continue on and say, well, Jesus didn't heal because of the Sabbath and then they're going to go on and do stuff with that. But whatever it is, they feel like they can get them either way. But he exposed it. Selfish motivations no better than to be exposed publicly and exist concealed by a more noble cause. You can see this throughout the Word of God. I gave you three examples. Korah in their rebellion. Who are you? We're also people of, of God. We serve God. Who are you? How come all that, all that good stuff, all the good uh, ceremonies rest with Aaron? We think we ought to be able to do it too. And they rebel. But they have a more noble cause. But their underlying cause is selfish. Hey, we're somebody. We're somebody special. What about Saul? Saul kept all the good stuff when he went there from the raid. Why? Well, we kept it back for the Lord. He did not keep it back for the Lord. He kept it back for himself. He got caught. Well, we kept it for the Lord. I know you can't expose. Well, we kept it for ourselves. We thought we deserved something. Can't expose that because you know it's selfish. Even though people know that it's wrong, know that it's selfish, know that they can't expose it, they will still hold on to it. That's what holds them back. Saul did that. Ananias and Sapphira. Hey, if we sell the land, we can present it like here's the whole thing and people will think, but we'll still be able to keep some of the money. Selfish motivation. What happened? <laughs> they got exposed. They know they can't expose that. It's a selfish motivation. So they try and cloak it in something that looks good. You can even go further than this. Over in the Battle of Jericho, Achan, selfish motivation. He took the stuff. He took of the accursed things. Took of the spoil of Jericho. All of it was supposed to go to God. He took part of it and concealed it for himself. He knew better than to expose it. Selfish motivation is no better than to be exposed publicly. There's a lot of believers in your life. There's a lot of unbelievers in your life. Even unbelievers know this. Selfish motivations aren't good. And they won't expose them. They will cloak them. And they will try and pull you in on their team. Pull you in on their side by getting you to take the bait. Take the bait. I mean, isn't that what fishing's about? No one's going to bite on the hook. You've got to have some pretty stuff all around it. That attracts the fish. They bite the hook. Then they wish they hadn't. So this is the setup. This is how this all got started. When he came on in there. So he told a parable. What is a parable? Parable is a made up story to present a truth. Truth from the Word. That's what it is. It's a made up story. Presents a truth from the Word of God. So, now we know what a parable is. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places saying to them. He's still on the same topic here. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places lest one 
more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him, who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, where was the story? He didn't get into it yet. The story comes next. He spent all this time. It says, so he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places. So he teaches first. He hasn't told the parable yet. The parable is still coming. So what comes next, that parable is the parable that is told is coming, but he's teaching them first. And he teaches them on this topic. And he says to the person who invited them, the person who invited them probably invited the guy with dropsy. But he only invited one. So what Jesus is saying is invite more next time. <laughs> Go get more sick people. Go get the lame. Get the blind. Get more of them. Don't just bring out one. <laughs> Next time I come into town and you want me to come over after church, bring a whole lot of them. <laughs> That's not quite what he wanted, I'm sure. But he looked right at him and he told him that. But he's saying, when you go to a place, a feast, a place of honor, don't seek for the better places. Let someone else exalt you. But we got a world. And this is what he was noting there. People are always trying to exalt themselves. How many people do you know in your lives that are always telling you how good they are? How right they were in this situation? How wrong other people were for doing this? People who do that are selfish people. I don't care what their story is. If you... And I'm certainly not talking to you, right? Other people. Other churches. In other states and countries and faraway places like that. Not around here. But, you know, you can just imagine if it was you. <laughs> but if, if you get into a place and you are trying to tell people, oh, woe is me. So-and-so did this and so-and-so did that and they did this and they did... What are you doing? You are trying to get people to feel badly for you. You are trying to empower yourself in their sight. Everything that you are doing is selfishly motivated. Everything that comes out of your mouth, has a selfish motivation. But you've cloaked it in something else. And then people who buy it just don't know this part of the story. Don't buy that stuff. If you got people and they're over there, oh, woe is me. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, this and this happened and this person did this and this person did this. Stop them. Especially if they're a believer. Just stop them. You don't need to be doing that. Why are you all caught up in selfishness? Why are you all caught up in this? Selfishness will hold you back. God doesn't get impressed with selfish people. He's not impressed with selfish people. 
Remember we started out this series? We looked at a verse in Proverbs that said that most people think they are faithful, but the Lord says they are rare. We looked at that verse in about seven different translations. Interesting verse. The Lord says that they're rare. He says there are really few people who are faithful, but most people think they are. Isn't that true? I mean, how many unfaithful people do you know that go up to you and say, I'm, I'm unfaithful. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet. Selfishness and faithfulness cannot exist together. Because if I am going to be faithful, I am faithful to another. I am faithful to a cause. Selfishness means I am faithful to me. I am faithful to my cause. Selfishness and faithfulness cannot exist together. If you have selfishness in you at all, it is holding you back from being faithful. You cannot be as faithful as you could otherwise. You've got to get rid of the selfishness. So then what happens is the enemy comes in and he tries to sell you on the wrong kind of selfishness. And you're trying to get rid of the wrong kind of selfishness. Oh, I just need to deny all my needs and I just need to be down on poor street and get rid of all the stuff that I have so that I have nothing. Did Jesus command us to help poor people? How can you help poor people if you are poor? Because poor people don't help poor people. People who are better off than the poor people help the poor people. So you have to get into a place where you're better off than the poor people in order to help the poor people. Otherwise, you're one who needs help. Right? I mean, if Jesus is saying help the poor, then he's obviously saying you don't have to be poor. That's just a side note. But see, that's not self, that's not getting rid of selfishness by getting rid of all your stuff. That's just getting rid of all your stuff. That's all it is. Not going to help you out at all. Not going to help you get there. Do anything better. Don't worry about having stuff. Don't worry about having a job that pays you money. It's okay to have a job that pays you money. If you don't have a job that pays you money, how many of you don't have a job that pays you money but want one? Is there anything wrong with wanting a job that's going to pay you money? Good money. Better money than you have now. I mean, if we're making one wage, are we not out there listening? If we get one that will pay me more? I'm thinking. That's not bad. But see, we get in this mentality. I have to get rid of all this stuff. Deny myself of anything fun. Deny myself of anything good. And then I've gotten rid of selfishness. No, you haven't. You're still more self-conscious than you were before. Oh, look at what I've gotten rid of for God. Look at what I'm doing. Look what I'm sacrificing all for God. What are you doing? Being selfish. Look at me, God. Selfishness is getting rid of yourself. Stop paying attention to you and put more time in other people. But oh, how selfish we are. Even in the church. Now you tell me if you would put up with this in your family. Or you tell me if when you were being raised, if your parents would put up with this. The lawn needs to be cut. Mom and dad come down and say, Son, will you go out there and cut the lawn? Well, dad, I just don't feel called to cutting the lawn. You know, that's not my real ministry here. My real ministry is in other places and cutting the lawn would really take away from that. And I, I, I really, I can't cut the lawn. How many of you would put up with that? Son, will you take the trash out? 
you know, that's just not my calling here. I would if it was my calling, but you know, you really have seemed to do well with that and and uh, I really see that you're called to that. I don't want to get in the way, Dad. If you know you want to take the trash out, you go right on ahead. But I just, I'm just not called into that area. How many of you would put up with that or lived in a house where that would have been tolerated? But we come into God's family and God has a need. And God says, will you do that? Well, I'm not really called to do that. I don't really feel that that's my place in the body of Christ. I don't. How many of you have been, been there with that? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. You just find a need. You see, faithful people just find a need. Where's the need? I'll do it. Give it to me. I'll get it done. Now, faithful people don't just find a need. They do it right. They do it completely. Sometimes people have done it halfway. Does that work in your house? Will you, will you cut the... All right, I'll go out there and cut the lawn. They cut half of it. How many of you are happy with that? How many of you say, Yeah! Good job, you got half of it. They washed half the dishes. Are you happy with that? What do you expect? Well, we don't do it for God. Why does God say that most people think they are faithful, but they're rare? Because most people think they're faithful, but the real ones are rare. That's why He says it. Because we look at all these things, but God, I'm faithful over here. But God, I'm faithful over here. But look what I'm doing over here. But look at this thing. But over here, no, we gotta we gotta be looking at God. God, what do you need? He gets you get out there to the Wawa, and God says, "I need someone to go over there and talk to them." I'm I'm just not called to do that. I just haven't felt that you know whatever comes out of my mouth just isn't right. I just don't know the Word of God enough. I know and we talk ourselves out of it. And we don't do it, isn't that right? And God's looking for somebody. You gotta go find somebody else now, because you won't do it. So what's God say? Well, they're not faithful yet. And we think, you know, well, we, we cloaked it in something else. It's a selfish attitude. We cloaked it in something else. What we did was, I'm feeling uncomfortable. It's going to put me in a place I don't really want to be in. We're being selfish. And we've cloaked it at, I'm just not called. I'm just not qualified. I'm just not good enough. I just don't have what it takes. And we talk ourselves out of it. Well, if God said something to you to do it, why don't you just listen to God? Why don't you just let God be God? Why are we always trying to be God instead? I mean, we always have a better opinion, a better idea. God, you should have done it this way. God, you should have told this one. God, you should have done... We've always got better. We should have been God. I mean, the world would be so much better if we were God, right? Because we have such better ideas. That's a selfish motivation too. Yeah, I know this would be one of your favorite sermons, isn't it? <laughs> we got to get out of this selfish mentality. It's okay to be self uh, mindful of self thing, of things that you need. It's okay to be mindful of things that you need. But when you are mindful of the things that you need and you let that get in the way of what God needs, you're in trouble. God's going to look at that and say, you're not faithful yet. Now, fortunately, He doesn't write us off. Fortunately, He doesn't kick us out. Thank God for that, huh? Let's get into the parable. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. You know who this is? You've met him before. Person who's always trying to score points. Person who's always just trying to get in there and just butter up the boss. 
doesn't completely understand this, doesn't understand that they've been rebuked, just says, yep, yep. Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. What was Jesus talking about? About having a feast and inviting people to the feast. And he got this meaning out of it. Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's one of those super spirits. They're trying to be spiritual. They're trying to get in on God. Now, remember verse 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited. To who? He told the parable to those who were invited. That would pretty much be everybody in the house, right? Now look at verse 15. Now when one of those who sat down at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he, Jesus, said to him, the man who just answered, then he, Jesus, said to him, and we have the parable. I thought the parable was to everyone who was invited. Why is he all of a sudden now focused on the person here? Because he just determined who needs it the most. This person is trying to take all his selfishness and veil it in another package and pass himself off as being spiritual. And so Jesus was going to teach the whole group this parable and now the whole time he looks at him. Just looks at him. That's it. Now what are you thinking if you're that guy? Are you squirming in your chair? You moving around a little bit? No, look at somebody else. There's other people here. <laughs> then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper, supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask that you have had me excused. And another said, I have five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master and the master of the house being angry said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and byways, hedges, and com compel them to come that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. He's angry. Understand this, folks. Jesus looks for faithfulness. He hates excuses. How many of you like excuses? And, and didn't we all pass them off when you were a kid? Didn't you have a thousand excuses? You had a book in your back pocket of excuses. It was written in your heart. You could just pull them out. Just You knew every single one of those excuses. Why didn't you take the trash down? Bam, excuse, right? Why didn't you clean up your room? Excuse. We have excuses. Well, uh, I, was, I was cooking dinner. I was going to try and cook dinner. I looked all over for stuff to cook. Couldn't find it. Kind of hard to find that in front of the TV. But 
We have excuses. And we come up with all these excuses. And these folks who were invited, apparently the feast was planned out and people weren't known about it and the invitations were given and they were all supposed to be getting ready for the feast and as they came time to it, they apparently didn't really write the date down. They didn't do anything about the date. They didn't uh, put all that stuff in there. And the time came. Now, you never had that problem with people forgetting invitations, right? And you never forgot any yourselves. No, we don't ever forget that. We all, we keep mindful of all that stuff. Yeah, right. We do it all the time, don't we? Oh, is that today? Oh, is, oh I, I forgot. Oh, yeah, we have, we have that going on. Yep, we had the men's breakfast yesterday. I forgot. Ray called me up and says, I can't make it. I said, it's today? <laughs> we just had one last week. And we did. We just had one last week. We just got together. I wasn't even thinking that it was. Sure enough, I looked in the calendar. It was a third Saturday. I called up Daryl. Daryl, you guys down there? Yeah, we're down there. All right, I'll be on my way. <laughs> I headed on down and, and got on in there. So the rest of you guys didn't get to find out about it. No time at that point to email you. But sometimes things just just uh, kind of fall fall by the wayside, don't they? We just didn't put the, the time in to focus in on that the way that we should have. But they have excuses. Let's take a look at some of these. I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. Yeah, like you didn't see it before. <laughs> Who buys a piece of ground and hasn't seen it? He already has seen it. We already know what it looks like. We already know where it is. You wouldn't pay money for something that you didn't know what it was. Apparently, he doesn't really want to go. I mean, how many times have you heard excuses from people you're beginning to think, hmm, is that a real excuse? I mean, really? No, that couldn't be. No, that's that's not the way that it is. Now, we had, the, we had a busy weekend this weekend, too, with um, family things. Most of my family is, is moved away, though my parents are due to come back here in the next week or so. And they'll be moving moving back on up this way. But for the most part, most of my family is gone. But my, my wife's family, they're all still around. And so they had a busy weekend of things and they had one of their picnics that they were doing yesterday. And then they were going over to visit the grandmom uh, today. And uh, I didn't want to do both. So you know what I said? I don't want to do both. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, I'll do one or the other. I said, I prefer to go over and visit your grandmother on Sunday. And, they, and she said, that's fine. That's good. So she went over on Saturday and went over with, uh, with all her brothers and, and did all that stuff. And I, I'm going over today. So can't go out to lunch with you today. I'm heading over to see Grandma. <laughs> Visit her. She's over at the, the... She won't even remember me or know who I am when I get there. She doesn't know most people when they get there. But she enjoys us when we come anyway. <laughs> we, have, we have fun with that. But, but sometimes, you know, just don't throw out the excuses. Just, just come on out there and say, this is what's up. This is what's going on. I don't want to get that done. I don't want to be there. But here's it. Financial excuses. Apparently, Jesus doesn't like financial excuses. How many times have we given Jesus financial excuses? Jesus says, do that. I don't have the money. I have to do this. I have to spend on this thing. And we have excuses. God doesn't care about financial excuses. Have you ever been in a situation where you see somebody and God says, they need they need some money. Give them twenty dollars. Give them fifty dollars. Whatever it is, and you, I can't. I need that twenty dollars. I need that fifty dollars. What do we do? We just gave gave uh, God an excuse why we're not coming through. 
Well, he's got another one. He's got a yoke of oxen. I need to go test them. Have you ever bought a car and didn't test drive it? Did you ever buy a car and not test drive it? Why would you buy uh, five oxen? I mean, this is this is state of the art. This is John Deere territory. This is not Sears and Roebuck. Oxen are John Deere territory. Poor people use other things. Rich people use oxen. And so he's going to test. He got five of them. Just imagine getting five John Deere tractors to cut your lawn. You're doing good if you have a Sears and Roebuck mower, right? No, John, John Deere's a lot nicer. Supposed to last a lot longer. Never had one of those, so I can't attest to it, but hear good things about it. Well, would you do that? Would you, would you buy some kind of, some kind of machinery, something for the business, something for your job? This is work related. I mean, you don't buy oxen for fun. Let's go out and ride the oxen. Can I go out and play with the oxen? Yeah. Can we bring the oxen in? It can sit up here and curl up next to me. Oxen, there's nothing fun about oxen. They're all work. That's all that they're there for. It's just a work thing. This is a work-related excuse is all this is. You have financial excuses. You have work-related excuses. How many times has God asked you to do something? Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, it's my job. You know, that job thing. I got to go out there and do this or this is coming up or God says, I need you to do this in the church. I need you to do this to minister to this person. I need you to go over here and do this, help this person over here. Well, I can't. Oh, I got to do this and I got to make this and work-related stuff. Apparently, it doesn't hold water. Now understand, this is the parable. A parable is a made-up story, which means everything in it you made up. So if you didn't want it in the story, you wouldn't have made it up. It's in there because you wanted it. I love the last one. Well, I just got married. At least he didn't say I need to go test her out. I mean, at least he didn't say that. (laughs) Test out the oxen. I got to go on there and see what she looks like. At least he didn't say that. He knew what she looked like. That's always good. It's good to marry somebody that you know what they look like, you know? He didn't throw off that one, but I just got married. Well, if he had the invitation, a wedding doesn't get sprung on you. Don't wake up today. Hey, we want you to get married today. Today? That's not a surprise. You plan it out. And generally, the groom and the bride are very involved in weddings, but especially back then, the groom was very involved. Don't, no bride is coming up to the groom and saying, we're getting married on this day. He says, no. That's not so much that it's today, but back then, the guy, what the guy said, that's, that's what was going on. That's how it was. I just got married. These are all lame excuses. These are all excuses because people didn't plan out to be there. People didn't budget to make sure that they could be faithful to do what God had asked them to do. And, and he's not impressed with any of it. Understand, It's a made-up story. He does not put a single excuse that worked. Which basically means any excuse that you want to put out before God. He says, uh, no, no, no. Now see, an excuse with your boss can work. An excuse with your parents can work. An excuse with your wife can work. Because they're not omniscient. 
But you don't get away with that with God. God knows everything, sees everything. He is everywhere. If you try and throw an excuse out to Him, He says, "Uh uh-uh, I know better than that. It doesn't work. You may have sold yourself on the excuse, but God is not buying it. And He's not impressed. And He gets here to the end and He says, none of you guys are getting in to eat this food. And that's not good because He's talking about the big feast. And you want to be at this feast. You definitely want to be at this feast. You don't want to miss out on this. You want to be there for this one. And He says, none of them guys are coming in. He's not impressed with excuses. Now he gets into some really fun verses here. 25. And great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, mothers and sisters. You see, you knew it was in the word of God. You don't have to love your sister. It's right there. There it is. You can hang on to that. The next time you have animosity towards your spouse, it's here. No, that's not quite what he's saying, is it? (laughs) Some people wish it was, but that's not quite what he's saying. Brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life. Well, he would have to throw that in there, wouldn't he? In his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Now, who is he saying this to? Those who are following. We're still on the same topic. We haven't broken the topic yet. But now he's apparently left there and people are following him out. Great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them. And he's showing the difference now between people who follow after Jesus and people who are disciples of Jesus. There is a difference. There's a difference between a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. Which side do you want to be on? I think I want to be on the disciple side. Except he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, in his own life, He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not hear this, bear this cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Apparently you can follow, but discipleship is a higher cost. It's a higher, higher place. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. He's put a pretty big uh, request out there, huh? Many are followers, but few are disciples. Many people think they are faithful, but few really are. How many want to bet that the disciples are actually faithful people? People that when they're given an invitation, they come. People, when they say, I'm going to build God a tower, 
calculate it all out and make sure that they have what they need to get it done. We've got to stop trying to find excuses for why we didn't get done something for God and find out ways to get it done. And all around you are opportunities. You have opportunities with other believers to help them out, to minister to them. Get it, get it done. Find, get in there. Find a way to help them, to teach them what you know, to share with them what you have, to pray with them. Give them what you've got. Be faithful with it. You can look around and say, God, what do you need done? And God says, I need this done. And you get in there and you do it. You don't do it half-heartedly, but you calculate the cost. What is it going to take to get this done? And you get it done. You see, there are, there are different kinds of people. There are people who you ask them to do something and as soon as they hit an obstacle, they stop. And some people don't even let you know about it. They just stop. You ever run into people? Have you worked with people like that? They just stop. Well, I, I ran into a problem. Really? And there's other kind of people that you tell them something to do and they don't stop until they get it done. If they hit a problem, they find another way around it. If they hit a problem with that, they find another way around it. They keep finding ways to get it done. I mean, watch the movie Apollo 13. Love that movie. Oh, that's a good movie. You didn't see it? Go home, watch it today. <laughs> Sometimes soon. Oh, it is. My favorite scene is there is when they gather all the engineers into the room. And they take this big bag of stuff and they dump it on the table. And they say, we have to make this round thing here fit into this square thing here using nothing but this. And if they don't, the people up there are going to die. It was a CO2 problem they were having. And they had to get the filter to, to work from the one to the work, work in the other and all that sort of stuff. And, and so they didn't sit around there and say, oh, but we need this. If we don't have this, we're not doing it. No, they sat around there and they said, all right, this is what we've got. We will find a way. And they worked it out and they worked it out and they worked it out and they said, this is what you got to do. And they went out there and did it. And then when they went back over to powering up the, the craft for, for re-entry and they only had so many amps and they brought the guy in who's going to sit there and he's figuring this. He spent hours just figuring out how they could do this because the way that you, the sequence in which you did it changed the ampage. And every way he did it, it failed. Every way he needed just one amp more or two amps more, and they didn't have it. He said, we don't have it. This is all we've got. It has got to work or else they're dead. And they found a way. And they, all of a sudden he got it, and it stayed right at that level. But yet when we work out something for God, and we run into a problem, we stop. We quit. Or we just do it halfway. We've got to stop just doing things halfway for God. God is looking for faithful people. People that He can put something into their hands and they will carry it through until it is done. They will solve every problem. They will remove every hindrance. They will get it done. That is a faithful person. But so many times we come up and we say, Oh, but my family this or my work this, or this situation here. And he, he is basically saying, you have got to get to the place. If you want to be a true disciple, you have got to get to the place where everything else in life you hate compared to being a disciple. Now, I, I copied it in my outline. I could never put it in yours. But I copied it in my outline from the Weiss translation. You cannot go up online and get this one. You have to buy this one. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I couldn't find it anywhere online. But Now, Many crowds were journeying along with him. 
And having turned around, he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters in the event that they become hindrances to his supreme love for me, to the event that they become hindrances to his supreme love for me, yes, moreover also his own life in the same manner, he is not able to be my disciple. You will be hindered in your ability to be a disciple of God if anything else in life you love more than Him. And it doesn't mean that you have to actually outright hate it any more than to outright hate yourself. It just means, by comparison, you love Him greater. And work will not get in the way of His calling in your life. Finances will not get in the way of His calling in your life. Family matters will not get in the way of His calling in your life. Because that's what the excuses were. Financial excuses, work-related excuses family-related excuses. Get out. Don't let any of those go on. Count the cost ahead of time. Verse 34, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dump hill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If salt loses its flavor, if Christians lose their faithfulness, if believers stop being disciples, who's going to help them? It's up to you. If you are not ashamed to bring the... If, I'm sorry. If you are ashamed to bring the view thought, the viewer thought to light, it is probably selfish in its motivation. So just think of it. If you cannot expose whatever view, whatever thought that you have, if you cannot bring it out in the open, it is probably selfish. The things that keep you from being faithful to God are the things that keep you from being His disciple. What keeps you from being faithful to God? And you've got lots of opportunities. And you know what? If you're unfaithful in one opportunity, another one comes up. And you can be faithful in that. Don't sit there and, oh, I haven't been faithful here and I've let God down here and, oh, two years ago I did this. So what? You can't change what you did two years ago. You can't change what you did last week. You can change what you do next week. God is looking for people to turn the corner and stop just being followers and become disciples. Stop just being listeners and be hearers. Not just be people who, who understand what they're to do, but people get out there and do it. People who take on the call of God and no matter what comes their way, they accomplish it. Father God, where do you need me? You need me to take out the trash? You need me to cut the lawn? You need me to wash the dishes? Whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm going to get out there and do it and I'm going to put everything I have into it. I'm not going to let work come before it. I'm not going to let finances come before it. I'm not going to let my family come before it. I will be faithful to whatever you said for me to do. And it's not all just work related. Sometimes God comes to you and says, I want you to be faithful to read the Bible every day. I want you to be faithful to be thankful every day. I want you to be mindful about just being thankful. Just be faithful in that. And he wants to work that principle down into you. There's all kinds of things he'll come and tell you about and try and get you to work on. But you can do it. You can be that way. But understand the things that keep you from being faithful to God are the things that keep you from being his disciple. He wants disciples. He wants people when he says, I'm having a feast in a year. Y'all come. 
We write it down and we keep it mind. We are mindful of that in one year, in, in 11 months, in, in 10 months. Have you ever had an event that's coming up and you've been counting the days to it? When you're young, you did it for Christmas. Now that you've been around for a while, I mean, we're all on, we all have cell phone plans. By the time your cell phone has been a year, year and a half, two years old, how many of you are tired of that cell phone? And what you're counting the days for the cell phone renewal date. And you can go and pick yourself out a new phone. Oh, be faithful to count the days for what God has for us. When God says, I want you to be ready for this, I will be ready. And He only has to tell you one time. Only has to tell you one time. Take what you do for God seriously because you are developing faithfulness through developing discipleship. Not just a follower, but a disciple. You're becoming one of those rare ones that God says, that's a faithful one. That, that one right there, that's faithful. You're becoming a faithful one. And that's where we need to be. But selfish ambitions, selfishness, they have no part in you. Get rid of them, no matter what they're covered with, no matter what they're cloaked with. Stop letting that reign in your life and stop letting people who are selfishly motivated keep putting stuff in your ear. Shut them down. Do y'all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for the way that You have instructed us in Your Word. You have called us to be disciples. We desire to follow after Your calling, follow after Your way to go the way of being disciples for God. Not just followers, but faithful disciples. Ones that you can give any assignment to and we will carry it through. We will solve any problem, quit any hindrance that comes in the, pops up in the way. We will not allow it to stop us. And we will always be mindful of those things that you told us. Because we are developing discipleship. Not just a follower of Jesus. Disciples of His. Oh, we thank You for it. Thank You for the help that Your Holy Spirit gives us. Even this week, as we look more into Your Word, You open up principles. You open up things that we need for this life. We thank You for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.